and that, that joy is evident, uh, not only on the last Sunday of the year, uh, but that joy has been evident the past 51 Sundays. You know, I don't know about you, but every uh, opportunity, every Sunday for worship, uh, I give it my all, my total focus. And, and I just expect whenever the church folk, Christians gather, God's going to do something. Whether he does something in my life or he does something in the lives of brothers and sisters, uh, I recognize God is still powerful. Uh, he still works in the lives of believers. And really, he works in the life of all people. But we, believers, more so than anybody else, ought to recognize and be able to uh, identify and every now and then testify about how good God is in our lives. It is good to see all of you here for our combined worship service on uh, this last Sunday in the year, uh, December 31st. Is that right? Okay. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Uh, and I am thankful God has brought me to this point. And if I don't see 2024, uh, he's done more than enough for me. Now, it's my prayer that he'll let me see a little of 2024. But if he doesn't, he's already done more than what I deserve. I want to continue to ask you guys to be praying for Brandon and his family. Uh, as many of you know, his father died. Uh, and uh, this past week, uh, he had the uh, funeral service in Missouri, and he's back with us. So let's continue to keep him uh, in our prayer. Uh, many times, we want to be there with people when death first occurs. Uh, and the reality is those are the, more, the easier days to deal with because you're surrounded by a ton of people. It is when the weeks go by and the months go by. And in the case of a father, when Father's Day come around in June, uh, that we have gone back to whatever it is we were doing and, and we have forgotten about the fact that uh, we got a brother or sister that's still maybe struggling. Uh, so let's continue to keep him in our prayer, uh, keep his uh, family uh, in our prayer. Now, a few weeks ago, I started uh, uh, a series of lessons on faith and dealing with trials and tribulations. You guys remember that? And, and I said that we were doing that because as I look at our congregation, as I have uh, uh, work with some of you, talk with some of you, minister with some of you, pray with you. One of the things that I'm seeing is that we handle problems poorly. We shout hallelujah when we come to worship service and we want to sing loud. But when we are faced in our personal lives with the trials and tribulations that come along, we just lose our mind. And we act like folk who don't know God. But we've heard teaching and preaching all year long that has been designed to help equip us for the things that are going to happen in life that you and I have no control over. And so one of the things I want to help some of you understand, you need to repent of just coming to Bible class and just coming to worship, just to be coming to Bible class and to be coming to worship. And start recognizing the power of the information that we are exposed to. And then start putting it into practice in your life. And I guarantee you, if, if, if I were betting, man, I'd even bet you that you will see a difference in your spirituality. You'll see a difference in how you look at issues and problems that other people have because God will have done something with you. I want to use on this uh, final Sunday morning 
the topic, faith during my trials. Faith during, we need faith during our trials. Because that's what's going to get us through it, is my faith. Now, if I don't have any faith, it's going to be mighty hard for me to get through some of my trials. And that's why some of you still are struggling with stuff that happened months ago. Because you have not utilized your faith. And some of us need to recognize, uh, uh, life has shown us that my faith is weak. Uh, life has shown me that I have little faith. And, and we sometimes get confused because we come to church services every Sunday that we think that means we have a whole lot of faith. If I were to survey us, there are a bunch of us who are here today simply out of tradition. Simply because it's the last Sunday of the year. And we've already decided we're going to go away for New Year's, so we won't be here next week. <laughs> we don't handle problems well. And one of the areas that we all need to focus on is how to prepare for the difficult days that are yet ahead. If God blesses you, to keep on living. You're going to have some challenges, some problems, some issues that are going to come up in your life, and they are not there to kill you and destroy you. They're there to help us to be stronger. Uh, they're there to help drive us to a closer relationship with God, not a relationship that causes us to start skipping church services and abandoning the assembling with our believers. See, that's how many church folk handle their problems. When they come, they just stop coming to church services. They don't read the Bible. They ain't sure enough, don't pray. And so you end up in a rut that you're there for a longer period of time than you have to be. Because it's when these days come, you need to apply what you're supposed to already know. And one of the things that we see is we don't do that. And that's why we want everything that happens in life, we, it's a big deal. We've got to have a prayer request for it. There are some things that happen to you, you and God ought to be the only ones who know about it. And, and what you'll discover is if you focus on that, then you'll discover you and God are all you need for that. Some of you uh, get upset when people get in your business, as you say. Well, you tell us your business. You're always whining and complaining about stuff. And so it's only natural for somebody who cares about you ask, what's going on? How can I help you? And we don't know how to give an appropriate amount of information. We like to overindulge. And, and many times what we show is how carnal we are, how unspiritual we are. Uh, because some stuff, if I ask you, what do you want me to pray for you about? Just even tell me that. Don't tell me how you got there. Okay, you'll get that later in the lesson. <laughs> the Bible gives us recipes, remedies for how to handle our problem. And it does that uh, in one way, simply by showing us the challenges and problems that other folk had. So one of the benefits of Old Testament study, you start seeing how God dealt with people in the past. And what you'll discover is that's some folk who had worse situations than what you got. And that's part of our problem. Every time we have a challenge, we act like we're the only one that this happened to, that nobody understands. All of us have gone through a storm or two. 
And if confession time were allowed, most of us would say, I'm in the middle of a storm right now. And that it was a struggle just to get, be able to get here to come to worship service today because of all the stuff that's going on in my life that I can't, I, I can't disassociate with. But thanks to the God, thanks be to God, he, he gave me the strength to keep on moving. So we don't personalize the information we receive so that it makes a difference to Maurice. And you can put your name where mine is. So as we are reading scripture, we're studying scripture, we're hearing these lessons, every now and then put yourself in that passage. And look at what is it I ought to be getting out of this passage that's going to help my life be better. Not just listening just to see what the preacher said or what the Bible class teaches, but listening for information for some anchors that I can hold on to. Because dark days happen to all of us. Not, not, not just some of us, all of us. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, th that James does here is really help us to have a better attitude about problems. See, you're getting depressed and you're getting mad. It's not going to change nothing. You're not wanting to pray. You're not wanting to talk to God. You're, you're avoiding uh, your brothers and sisters. It's not going to change anything. You're in the storm now. Now, those things will help you better maneuver through the storm, but, but we got to understand that. So one of the things that you don't want to do when you're going through a storm is stop coming to worship. One of the things you don't want to do when you're going through a storm is stop coming to Bible class. Uh, one of the things you don't want to do when you're going through a storm is to stop reading your Bible. Because those are the things that the flesh pushes us to do. And that may have been how you handle things this past year. And you need to look at where did they get you. Not too far. We are, we are good church members. But we fail to live Christianity. But we're good church attenders. And we act like the, the spirituality, the information we receive is intended just for inside these four walls. This information is designed to go with you when you leave it. Because some of you are going to be faced with a test when you leave it today. Some of you know you're going back home to some folk who are ungodly. And while you're on vacation now from your jobs, some of you know in a few days you're going to be back in the jungle with a lion. And you need to be fortifying yourself now so you don't go back after the holidays in a worse mood than you were in uh, when you left before the holidays. James says, starting in verse number two, and this is where some of you get messed up right here. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of you are joyful? When trials and tribulations and problems come in your life, how many of you at the very outset when you go through that know God's going to show up and do something? Or are you just, well, woe is me, and, and why did it happen to happen, happen to me? I've been so good. Uh, your problem is your goodness is based on your assessment, not based on your being faithful to what God has called you to. Count it all joy when you fall into various trial. They're not all the same. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. Or a better translation would be endurance. But let patience, endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's where some of us get messed up uh, because we don't go through what, what's there for us to go through. So you'll never get to where God wants you to be because you refuse to go through what's in front of you. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. When you go through your troubles, who are you talking to? James says the person you need to be talking to is God, not your best friend, not your counselor, your psychologist, or some gossiping church member. Some church member who got more problems than you do. Some church member who you can see they're not even trying to handle their own problem. Why are you taking advice from somebody who won't try and help their own situation? And you know you got churches, they just like to talk. Confidentiality is not anything some of us church folk know. But they would never know if you didn't tell them. If any of you lacks wisdom, the text says, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. But then he puts another caveat here. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. We got a lot of folk who like to cruise. Some of you like to go fishing. You, you know how those waves bounce up and down, back, go back and forth? Mm-hmm. That's how some of you guys are wishy-washy. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Unstable. The text says in all his ways. Not some. All. So now you ought to be able to understand why, why some people, they just messed up. They're messed up. They're unstable. An unstable person you can never trust. Some of you got some unstable friends. Uh, depending on what day you talk to them, they'll say this. You talk to them another day, they'll say that. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flowers fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. I'll let you in on a little secret. Rich and poor got problems. Rich and poor are going to have problems until the day you die. So that's why we need to change our attitude about it, because it's going to be with us until we die. Bless is a good part. Is a man or woman, Sister Brittany? Yes, sir. <laughs> I have to watch my, my, my male and masculine and female uh, words here. Bless is the person, how about that one, who endures temptation. For, he, for when he or she has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love. So those are just some, some editorial comments I made as I was reading the scripture. Now, let me get into my lesson now. <laughs> James says at the very outset, my brothers, and so he's talking to Christians. 
He's talking to church folk. He's talking to people who uh, profess to believe in God. He says, you church folk got to change your attitude about how you deal with uh, trials and tribulations. Because some church folk think, well, I'm not going to have any problems because I'm a Christian now. God is on my side. Everybody's going to love me and treat me right. When I go on a job interview, I'm going to get the job because I'm one of God's. Uh, the man or woman I marry is going to treat me wonderful all the time. Do I need to go on about some of these fallacies that we have? So, so, so James says, my brothers, my fellow church members, fellow Christians, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The idea of count here has to do with consider, evaluate, and, and really it's a command. He's not making a suggestion. James is saying, uh, uh, Christians, when you go through what you go through, from the very outset, you need to have the, uh, the attitude that God is with you. No matter how dark it is, no matter how nobody else understands, God understands, which ought to drive you to talk to him more than you talk to other folk. See, the natural response to trouble is not to smile. It's not to be happy. It's to frown and want to sit in the back of the building when you come to worship, even though you used to sit in the front and in the middle. But let a little trouble come, you don't want nobody talking to you. You want to be able to get in and get out as soon as the, the benediction is done. You guys know how you do it. When you got a little trouble in your life and whatnot, and when you're not walking as you ought to. And so what James says is you and I need to make a decision that I'm going to remain positive. Now that means I like what I'm going through. But I'm not going to get in the gutter. I'm not going to be complaining about this because even in the midst of my current trouble, God has still blessed me. God is still good to me. So those of you who are sitting up here in the auditorium, auditorium this morning and you got health issues, guess what? God's still good to you. Those of you who don't have a whole lot of money in the bank, guess what? He's still blessing you every day. Those of you who got a little hoopty, you don't have the kind of car you want. Your hoopty gets you to where you need to go. You need to be thankful for that. So make a decision that even though it's rough right now, I am not going to get in the dogs. Because I got God on my side. And when I read his word, I see he has always delivered his people, no matter how dark the circumstances were. Why do you think he's going he gonna to fail you now? Now, if you're not living right, you're not serving him right, you're not giving as you ought to, you're not involved in ministry like you ought to, you're not reading, studying, yeah, you ought to be concerned. But here's where, if we just simply maintain and do what we're supposed to do, you can have some joy, even in the midst of trials. So, Sister Monique, even though you and I had a conversation last week, even though they're laying off 1,500 people at State Street Bank, uh, you don't have to worry. Because you got a God who owns all the banks. State Street won't act right. He'll send you to another one. So you make a decision. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity here. I'm going to walk by faith. And when I look back and see how God has brought me from wherever I was to where I am now, I have no doubt he will continue to move me forward. But it's a decision you got to make. 
And, and some of you need to stop hanging out with all these negative, pessimistic people. Because that adds to your problem while you're always down in the dumps. Walk around some people who have some faith, some trust in God, and you'll see that stuff will get contagious. And you'll start acting like you somebody. Now, now we did a whole lot of good singing earlier. I want to ask, can we do some good living behind that singing? He, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And, and trials are things that come along and they just rock your world. They disrupt your world. So th there's some problems that all of us face, and you know, nothing to it. It's just like water rolling off your back. But then there's some stuff that comes along, it just messes you up. That's what James is getting at here. Uh, he says they are not limited. So we, 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 we look at what some people are going through and say, oh, if I go through that, I can handle that. Okay, but that's not going to be your issue. That's not going to be your issue. He says they are unexpected. Just like stuff that comes out of nowhere. Uh, you go out, uh, y y your car was running uh, fine when you uh, pulled in the driveway last night. When you go out this morning and you're sitting on four flats. That's, that's unexpected. Uh, or, or at the beginning of the week you filled your car tank up and you know you got some folk in your house who use your car. And you go out there thinking you still got a full tank of gas. Yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and now you're frustrated and mad and want to take somebody's head off because yeah. now it's fumes. And your fault first started, it was full when you got in it. Why didn't you fill it back up? How are you going to deal with that without losing your Christianity? There's a little, just little things like that, but they are unexpected things. And it is the unexpected things that mess us up. See, when your relationship is right with God, you, 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 you find yourself equipped for whatever comes your way. As a matter of fact, you start anticipating what might happen that I hadn't thought about. So I can, so I can be better equipped to handle that. He says, count it all joy when you fall into these trials. He says, because what's important is you need to know something. See, part of the reason we get messed up with trials and tribulations, we don't know nothing. We don't know nothing because we're not reading the Bibles, we're not studying it, we're not applying it to ourselves. So when we need to put some information in place that we were exposed to, we didn't take no notes. We didn't go back and review anything. And, and, and so we're out there using my own feelings, my own thoughts, or what some TV personality has said, or what I heard or read on Google. So he says, you need to know something. And so this idea of knowing here is understanding things that are out of your control. See, for, for you power-hungry people, uh, you control freaks, this is what gets you in trouble. Because in this thing called life, there's a whole lot of stuff you have no control over. No control over. You, you got to be equipped so you can handle it because you can't control it. But if you're a Christian, you know who's in control. That's another reason why you talk to him. Now, now you ought to have this knowledge or this understanding, first of all, because of personal experiences. Now, you don't have to be 70 or 80 
to be able to look at your life and see how God has brought you through some stuff that you don't know how you got out of. You just have to be perceptive enough to recognize, but God was there. How many of you have uh, had financial issues? How many of you have had relationship issues, boyfriend, girlfriend? How many of you have gotten hooked up with the wrong group of people and found yourself being used by folk who you thought were your close friends? And God, some kind of way, brought you out of that, delivered you. And many times when God does that, we forget to say thank you. We forget to acknowledge it was you. We'll start to, well, you know, I had to come up with a plan, and this is what I did. How many plans you've come up with that didn't work? But see, if, if, when you know something, you know God's in control. And, and no, whatever deliverance I got, it was not because of me. It was because of God orchestrating things. And yes, I had to do some things. Just like you want a job, you have to go out and interview. You know God just doesn't hand you jobs. You, you guys know that, don't you? So you get to know that based on personal experience, but you also get to know this from the word of God. Turn with me to Psalms 119. I just want to read a few other things that the psalmist says about the word of God here. Psalms 119. First one is verse number 11. The psalmist says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's a good reason for reading and studying the word of God and meditating on it. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that you and I are going to encounter that if we don't understand God's perspective on this, we're going to fail. Verse 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. You and I need a constant diet on the word of God. Now, think about the things you're constantly digesting in, on, in your life. The word of God is much better. And it deserves having a priority in our lives. That's why you don't wait uh, to study the Bible at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Unless you're a night person. Those of you who are early morning person, and that's when you are the, at, at the best, uh, most alert, that's when you need to be doing your Bible reading and studying. Prioritize the day. It'll help you to have a better attitude because the devil is going to mess with you. And then verse uh, 105. Your lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay, how many of you are willing to admit you're blind? Okay, how many of you are willing to admit you have some vision issues? Amen. Now, those of you who are wearing glasses, uh, your, your stuff is out front. <laughs> but we got a whole lot of folk that, that don't wear glasses, who act like they got 20-20 vision, 
and are continually making bad mistakes spiritually because we don't consult the word of God. Now, some of you ought to be able to say, if I listen to what the Bible says, if I listen to what those uh, church members tried to tell me, I'd be in a much better place now. You don't have to say amen. I'll say it for you. Amen. <laughs> so James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You and I are going to be tested in this life. And the testing is designed to prove or disprove whether or not we are genuine. See, a lot of times when tests come along, if you're honest, it shows you're not where you think you were. You're not as holy as you claim to be. Some of the tests have me understand how easy it is for us to forget the word of God. Because the moment after you have made that decision, then the word pops into your head. And we won't make a confession and say, Lord, I messed up. I, I should have gone right, but I chose to go left. Because that's what I felt like doing. Your feelings, when it comes to spiritual matters, are not a good indicator of what's right. Okay. Your feelings, even in your romantic life, are not a good indicator of the kind of decision. How many of you have dated somebody you felt like? That was my life partner. And now it's 20 years later, you don't, can't even remember the person, hardly. It, it, it wasn't a good decision, but that's how you felt. Immaturity will cause us to make some decisions that are not based in reality. He says the testing is designed to bring about patience, or again, a better word is endurance. And I say that because patience is temporary. We, we, we're patient as long as we're in a situation that we can't do anything about. Okay, when we come out of that situation, then we go back to our old ways. You and I need to bring about or have some endurance. Endurance is a quality of strength of character that increases as we go through more and more trials. So I learned how to hold out. I learned that things are not always resolved uh, in this microwave age instantly. So there are some problems, situations that you get yourself in, and there's no easy or quick fix. So, so you mess up your budget, and your credit card's all maxed out. What you're going to learn at some point, because some of you got to almost go to bankruptcy to get this, but you're going to learn next time, don't be so impulsive with every sale that comes along. You don't need everything you want. Because you will have learned the negative consequences of pulling out that plastic every time you go somewhere. Just because you have the credit limit on it doesn't mean you need to spend it. Sister Shay, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're just looking at me, so I, I, I thought we had a connection there. <laughs> and so going through the trials ought to help bring about some endurance. So, so I, I'm not as impulsive. I'm, I'm not weak like I was. So, so every, every guy, every girl I date, I'm not necessarily looking for a marriage partner right then. I, I'm trying to get to know the person. And, and maybe after one or two dates, after I get to know you, I know you're not the one. 
And we don't have to have no long-term connection here. He says, testing of our faith produces patience of endurance, but let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the idea of perfect work is being fully developed. The idea of being spiritually mature. Some of us, we, we don't handle our trials well because we're, we don't want to grow up spiritually. We're spiritual babies. And so as God is trying to work things out for us in our favor, we, for whatever reason, won't grow up, won't take on responsibility, won't recognize you've gone down this road before. As a matter of fact, you've gone down this road a few times, and there are always bad consequences. Why are you walking back down again? Why are you doing it again? Why, why are you doing the same thing but expecting a different result? I, I think you guys call that insanity. We got a lot of insane church members. I, I talked to a brother a long time ago. Been married three or four times. <clears throat> and, and, and as I got to know him and whatnot, I said, your problem is you're marrying the same woman. That's why you have the same problems. So he, he didn't get that. So we had to have a conversation later on, and I said again, he still didn't get it. Because he was letting his hormones influence his decisions. Uh, he was letting, the fact, he didn't want to be by himself. But I said, I'd rather be by myself than go through three or four divorces uh, and claim, claim I'm a Christian. There's some stuff that just, just does not go right. You're a Christian, and you made these many bad choices when it comes to marriage, and you don't feel bad about any of them? You're always putting the blame on her. Well, you chose her. Fully developed, spiritual maturity. He says, you'll lack nothing if you allow the results of the trials to bring about the spiritual growth that God wants in you. So the problem is, we run away from trials. So a problem can happen at the congregation. Instead of staying at the congregation, dealing with the problem, guess what we're going to do? You all know what you do. You run away to another congregation where you can hide. Problem on a job. Uh, you've been disciplined. Uh, you got a bad uh, evaluation. They didn't fire you. You just got a bad evaluation. Instead of living up to that, you want to go to another company. You're not going to fix this thing by always running away. You got to stay there and deal with it because it helps you to understand who you really are. Because we many times have a false sense of security about who we are. We say we're a faithful Christian, but don't want to come to evening worship. We say we're a faithful Christian, won't come to Bible class. We say we're a faithful Christian, but got out against multiple people and won't try and fix any of those issues. But you faithful. If we're going to mature, we're going to have to deal with the trials that come in life. And many of them are not as difficult as we make them to be. We got to grow up and learn how to be responsible. If you break something at my house, I expect you to volunteer to pay for it. I don't expect to have to ask you for that. I, I expect that. Now, I've been disappointed because I've had some folks who broke some stuff and they, oh, I'm just sorry. 
if I came to your house and broke something, I'm going to offer to pay for it. Not only am I going to offer to pay for it, I'm going to go find it. Where do you get that from? Okay, uh, in two days, I'll have that for you. You don't know how to ask me. That's about being responsible. If I borrow your car and, 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 and ride out all the gas you had in it, I'm going to fill it up before I bring it back to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so God wants us to lack nothing. But if you're not, don't stay put and let him work with us. We'll never get there. Guess what happens when you won't stay there and allow God to work with you? You're going to stay in the trial. It's going to come back again. You're not going from being a sophomore to a junior without some trials. Give you some grace as a freshman. But you're not going to move from sophomore to junior, junior to senior without having to master and deal with some things. And the good thing is that we serve a God who takes care of us. All he wants us to do is simply do what he's told us to do. You know, tests really come to determine what you know. Let's go back to school. Uh, Your teacher gave gave you a test over material. He went over with you. They're not expecting anything new. Just simply respond to these questions based on what we have been studying. Love your enemy. Is, Is that really a hard test? Is that really a hard test? If the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, is that really a hard test? If you are, have been infused with the Word of God, is that really a hard test? If you have been faithfully following in the footsteps of Jesus, is that really a hard test? But we, we make things that we ought to be able to easily move past become a major issue in our lives when there are bigger things that are out there. We will get to the point where we're lacking nothing when we learn how to submit to God. See, our real problem is we don't know how to submit. We don't know how to follow We don't know how to put aside what I think and what I want and how I want to handle this and listen to somebody else, i.e. God, Jesus, tell us what to do. You don't believe me? Just look at how you make decisions when you're not here at the church building. How many of them really line up with what you know Scripture says? But James doesn't stop there. James says, you know, I know some of you, you're hard-headed. And and, and some of you, you just don't get it. So what James says in verse number 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him talk to God. That's an easy thing. James said, you're going through trials, and you don't understand why you're going through them. You don't know how to handle them. Instead of self-pity, talk to God. Ask God, and he will give you understanding. He'll give you wisdom so that you will understand why it is you're dealing with this thing and ultimately what you need to do to get out of it. Much of our struggle is in our attitude. We're too prideful. We don't want to acknowledge when we need help. We don't want to acknowledge I messed up. We don't want to acknowledge my priorities are not where they ought to be. 
We don't want to acknowledge I am a religious hypocrite. I go to church services, but I have not learned to submit my personal life to what I'm learning in worship and Bible study. Guess what? God already knows that. He's just waiting for you to be honest and acknowledge it. And he says, you can do that when you talk to me. You don't have to get up and tell the whole church. Just talk to me. Show me some humility. And I'll step in and bless you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness now Paul had asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed multiple times God told him I'm not going to do it but what I will do is help you change your attitude so that you can deal with this thorn in the flesh and still keep on being faithful to me See, that's where our crux is. We can't get past this thorn in the flesh and still be faithful to God because we want to relive this every day. I don't know about you, but after you told me your problems a few times, I don't need to hear them every day after that. I trust that if you and I pray to God about this thing and we truly trust him, he's going to do something about it. So I may not ask you about this for another month. And I say, how are things going in that area? But I'm not talking to you about it every day. And, and you guys know some, some of your friends, some of your family, they want to talk about their issues every day. And they're not doing anything to, to improve the situation. They just want to whine and complain. And, uh, well, maybe you won't. But I will eventually tell you, <clears throat> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> now, if you want to whine and complain, talk to God. He's patient. He's loving. And, you know, he's going to, you, you know, you, uh, he won't hang up on you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but the human in me gets tired of that stuff. And especially when you're demonstrating, you're not trying to do anything to improve your situation. That's what frustrates me. I don't know about you guys, but when people just want to whine and complain and always talk about stuff, but you're not doing anything to improve your situation. They act like Complaining is going to improve the situation. Oh, and by the way, we're going to deal with that uh, in, a, in a sermon uh, in a week or two. Because some of you, 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 are, you make an A-plus when it comes to complaining. <laughs> you A-plus complainers. <laughs> Wisdom that God gives us is not based on our feelings. You and I have to get to the point where we trust God. It looks bad. It's dark. It's gray. It's raining. It's snowing. But that's not the end of the story. And too many times we quit, we give up before God has done what he wants to do. You got to hang in there. You got to hang in there. And if you get weak, talk to God. If you get, continue to get weak, talk to some brothers and sisters who are spiritual, not just church attenders. I told you guys, when Sebastian was little, uh, we did not let him go over every church member's house. 
You know, you know how you guys are uh, when the preacher has a child. Everybody wants the preacher's child over their house. <laughs> well, you got to have some discernment to recognize, but your house is not godly. So we're interacting with each other at the church building. We're not, we're not going over your house. I wouldn't want to go to your house, let alone send an innocent child over there. Because our children get exposed to stuff, and then you're sitting around trying to figure out where they got that from. They got it from the folk you let them hang out with. Our trials should call us to pray more. See, one of the benefits of, of you having a whole lot of trials and tribulation problems is you're supposed to be praying more. But guess what we do? The more trials and tribulations we have, the more we talk to other folk about it versus going to God about it. If you got a problem, you need to talk to the person who can fix your problem. And finally, when people learn that and they go to him, then they see things changing. But you can't think just because you go to him on this issue, there won't be another one. And so when James says, let him ask, again, it, it's a command. You and I ought to pray for God's guidance when we're going through stuff. It, it's not an option. You need, to, you, you, you need to recognize that's the remedy, is talking to God. It's not talking so much to people who got their own issues, who can't fix their own situations. And by the way, these same people will give you crazy advice. You, you talk to, you got marriage problem, you talk to other folk, and they say, I wouldn't take that off the person. If you're me, I'd divorce them. And the list goes on and on about stuff they will tell you, but they still married. But they're telling you to get rid of him or her. If that was a magic bullet, why didn't you do it? You know, if you're going to get counsel from other people, they need to share with you what God says about the situation, Amen. not what they feel about it. And, that, and that's one of the reasons I caution people. I, I, I tell, I've told people, if you're going to seek counsel with me and then these other people, we, we, we're not going to do that. You can go with them. Because we're going to end up telling you different things. And if you have ever sought advice from folks, you know many times you get contradictory information. And I'm not necessarily saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying they tell you the different thing. So which one, which way are you going to go? Stick with somebody who's going to share God's wisdom with you and not your opinion. Our tests will intensify until we seek the Lord. You can go on acting like you're big and bad. You can handle everything. Uh, you macho, you superman, you superwoman and all these other titles that we give ourselves, but your problem's still going to be there. Yeah. See, it takes some humility to go to God. After all, he is our Heavenly Father. We are his children. Now, moms and dad, you want your children to come to you when they have a problem. And there are some problems you know they got, you're not going to do anything until they come and say something to you about it. Because you expect them to grow up and recognize that's what parents are here for. We are here to help you do the things you can't do for yourself. And some children quickly learn it, and others are just rebellious. They burn the house down before they say, Mom, Dad, can you fix me something to eat? 
You know they don't know how to cook. But they're going to go in there and try it anyways. The smoke alarms and everything else is going off. I'll never forget. I'll, I'll tell this on Sebastian. When, <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. So when we were, we were uh, in transition from Houston to here, I, I, we had gone to Houston for an event. I was at a church, uh, church activity, and I was talking to a whole bunch of people, and he asked me for the keys to the car <laughs> so he can go sit in the car. And because I was engrossed in the conversation, I gave him the keys. But guess what I found when I went to the car? He was in the car, but he had gotten hot. So he had turned the car on, sitting in the back seat with the air conditioner up. And so at that occasion, I said, never again. <laughs> never again, because I thought about what could have happened. Now, was, he was smart, he was ingenious to do that, and stuff like that. But now, from a parent's standpoint, no, that's, that's too much liability there. <laughs> so the text says, he will give liberally. God gives his wisdom to us generously and without bargaining. Hear me, you don't have to swear, double dog swear. And God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll, I'll serve you today, I die. You get me out of the hospital, I'll be at church service every Sunday. You get me out of this financial hole, I'll give right for the rest of my life. See, God doesn't require that of us, but if you listen to some people, that's exactly what they say, and then they don't live up to it. Because we think that's going to make God respond quicker to this situation. God is already generous to us. You don't have to double dog swear and put your hand behind your back and cross your fingers and all that kind of stuff. Do you guys still do that? Okay. He says that God gives generous, and, and he, won't, he, won't, he won't reproach you. That means he won't reprimand you. Okay. God doesn't tell you, I told you so. Anybody had anybody, I told you so. You're suffering already. That's really not what you need to hear. It's not going to help you. I told you so. I am thankful when I talk to God, I don't have to hear that. Now, when I talk to some of you, that's what you're going to give me before you even try to help me. I told you so. James says, acts in faith, but don't doubt. See, praying when you don't really believe God can do anything about your situation, you're wasting your time. Go, going through these rote prayers, uh, the, the, these prayers that you feel I have to say, but I don't believe anything's going to happen, you're wasting your time. God rewards genuineness. Okay, let me just, let me just park for step, station identification. Uh, you coming up here... Uh, praying, I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to you. I want to read my Bible. I want to come to church services. I want to do all these things I know I'm supposed to do. But there's no commitment to do it. You just call in words. And guess what? Those of us who've been here long enough, we've heard you say that. And so what we're looking for is when he or she is going to start doing something about this instead of uh, saying these words that we all know are true, we got to do something. God is not miraculously going to do this for you. You got to care enough 
to get out of your bed on Sunday morning. It doesn't mean, doesn't matter you stayed out late on Saturday. It doesn't mean you're working on a project on Saturday. It doesn't mean you had this, that, or the You still got to get up out of your bed. You got to show this is more important. Because we'll get an excuse, man. Well, you know, I, you know, I had a long, hard uh, Saturday, uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm just tired. I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago, Sunday is always going to come around. <laughs> and so I planned my week knowing Sunday is coming. So all this stuff, Friday and Saturday, I got to balance that because Sunday is coming. And, and when God has blessed me to be able to get through a whole week of doing all that other kind of stuff, I can't stay at home on Sunday. He says, ask in faith without doubting. The doubter does not believe. He says, the person who's doubting is like the wave of the sea going back and forth, back and forth. You're hearing the same old kind of rhythm all the time. Nothing is getting any better. And then he reminds us, the double-minded person, they're just unstable. Bipolar. And, and what he's ultimately saying is a double-minded man acts like a non-believer. Because if you're a Christian, you ought to know some things about God. You ought to know he's a deliverer and he's a provider. He's a way maker. All that stuff we sing. See, we sing all that wonderful stuff. But when it comes time to live it, that's where we come up short. And then he gives us the illustration really about humility. Because trials and tribulations are the great equalizer. The millionaire has them, just like the person who's homeless. And in each situation, God is able to bless the person. See, there, there, there are some powerful people who are poor. They don't have a whole lot. They can't give a whole lot. But their faith is intact. Because they remember who they are in Christ. They remember who their daddy is. And, and, and the problem with rich people is that they forget who their daddy is. Because they have enough money to buy whatever it is they want. Now, what happens when the stock market crashes? You know, just like a few years ago, and when the financial ruin comes along, Brother Alex, you know something about that, right? Not that you've gone through it, but you've read about it. I understand. And so people who are materially well-off don't know how to handle life when their money can't make stuff happen for them. And so if they, if they don't have a faith that goes beyond their material possessions, they're going to have some problems. And many times people who have little but who all of a sudden get a whole lot, if we're not careful, we'll go to that extreme. We will trust in our wealth and our possessions instead of recognizing, but it was God who allowed you to get out of the ghetto into the suburban neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it was God that brought you out of the ghetto to the suburb. It was God who got you out the hoopty to now you got your first new car where you got to smell the newness in it. Now they new used car. This brand new off the off the line. You know how guys know how the new car, Monique, you know how the new cars feel, right? Yeah. I'll know in a few weeks. But I don't know right now. I said I'll know in a few weeks. But I don't know right now. 
I'll repeat that for you. So I said it before you said it. Don't steal my thunder. I'm still coming for you. So I said again, the trials, trials are the great equalizer. The rich man as well as the poor man needs to recognize we need to trust God. Because if they don't get it then, uh, as he goes into, uh, I'm running out of time here, but as he goes into the grass and whatnot, you and I ought to be reminded that life is fleeting. Many of us are going to many funerals this year. And we don't know what's ahead of us for the new year. But when you think about your mortality, it really ought to cause you to want to get as close to God and stay as close to him as possible. So getting close is one thing. Staying close is a whole other thing. We're good at getting close to him. We just won't stay because we let life and the issues that come along and some of the people that we interact with pull us away. And the reality is they really don't pull us away. We drift away. So let me, let me uh, go to verse number 12. Blessed bless is a man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, this is where we ought to want to go. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, is a man who goes through the trial to completion. Who doesn't try to circumvent the issue who trusts God as he or she is going through this, that deliverance is on the other end. That I'm not going to stay in this situation forever. It may feel like it, but i got to trust God. No, but it's not going to stay that way. And too many times as we go through our trials, we feel like it's going to be long. We don't want to deal with it. And so we start making stuff happen ourselves. And in the process of us making stuff happen, we dig ourselves into a, dig, a deeper hole. You lonely. I, I'm single, and I don't think I have the gift for singleness, so, so I'm going to go find me somebody to marry. Well, guess what? That's exactly what you do. You find you somebody to marry, and then a year later, you're in the divorce court. Because now you discover it, you're un, you were never compatible. You discover you never loved that person, they never loved you that your reason for getting married had nothing to do with what marriage is all about. So you shouldn't be surprised that it falls apart. Blessed is a person who endures temptation. The text says, for when he has been approved, that means pass the test. And it is possible, church, for us to pass the test of life that come our way. God is the one who gives a grade. You don't grade yourself. Because too many times, that's what we do. We grade ourselves, oh, I'm through this. and all. You, you, you don't know anything. God is the one. So when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you pass the test. You and I can't say that because we don't recognize there's another test right around the corner. So God can say this at the end. If we have been faithful. So he says, when he has been approved, when he's passed the test, and, and, and so I, I list on there, but what about the people who don't pass the test? Think about the people that you used to worship with, 
who have fallen away from the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about the people that, that you know who instead of sticking with the word of God, they went out and got some artificial stimulant to help them deal with the challenges of life. Think, think about the people who have abandoned uh, their family situation because the economics were just too hard for them. Everybody doesn't pass the test. Think about the person who, uh, when, when they know they have wronged someone, but they refuse to go back and fix that and make it right. Think about the person who has ought with a brother and sister. And, and I, I believe Jesus says, if you even think somebody got a problem with you, before you come to worship, you go find that person and straighten stuff out. Then you come back to worship. See, it would be the same as if, if you, when, you, when you got here for uh, the morning worship, you remembered that you and Matthew got into it. And I wonder if Matthew has gotten over that. So instead of coming into for worship, you and Matthew go downstairs and you talk about whatever it is you need to talk about. And if you need to talk about it for the next two hours, there's an evening service coming. You don't short circuit the situation to say, well, I, 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 I went to him. Was there any resolution? He says, when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. A measure of how much you love God has to do with how you handle your trials. Jesus had a trial when he was on the cross. He didn't want to do it. But guess what? His love for the Father kept him on the cross. Now, how much will your love for the Father cause you to endure the challenges of life? See, quitting shows that you don't love God. You can justify and say all that you want to say, but what it shows, you don't love God. And we got a lot of folk who have been self-deceived, who think they love God, but they don't obey him at all. They just come to church services. See, that, that's the problem with our Western religion. It's based on church attendance. It's not based on a changed heart. And that's why we nickel and dime each other, griping and complaining about dress, how people dress and how they look and all these kind of things. And the bigger, weightier issues about learning how to love and forgive people, we never get around to it. We can hoop and holler and have the best outward worship service, and you care nothing about the folk who are there. But because our definition of what love is is skewed, we walk out, hey, brother, you know I love you. But as soon as I get in the parking lot, I'm dogging you. I think Roberta, Roberta Flack said, where is the love? Is, is that right, some of you old timers? Where's, where's the love? Brother Norbert, you know that one, right? Okay. Even the preacher knows that song. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me quit. It's almost 1 o'clock. Our lesson for today, trouble exposes my faith. And, and that idea of exposing is not necessarily negative or positive. It just, it just reveals what's there. Either you got it or you don't have it. Either it's strong or it's weak, but it's going to expose my faith. So what does, how does your faith look right now? 
See, depending on how you answer that, that's going to impact how, if you make it to 2024, how you're going to act then. Some of these recognize we have handled trouble and problems poorly in 2023. And we need to change that as we go into the new year. God's been too good and gracious for you to keep acting a fool. He's been too good and gracious for you to keep acting uh, the hypocrite, playing the hypocrite. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I know some of you don't like my saying that, uh, but it's the truth. And you need to hear the truth because you're going to die. And you're going to definitely hear the truth from Jesus come judgment day. I'd rather sting you a little bit right now to prompt you to get right with him than for you to uh, fool yourself and die. And on judgment day, depart from me. I never knew you. He said, oh, but you know, I came to church services every Sunday for 50 years. Well, but the church was never in you. You just came to the building. Live by faith before trouble comes. Learn all you can. Put into practice all you can. Apply all you can right now so that when problems and real trouble comes, you have a basis. You you got something up here in your head that you can fall back on so that you don't uh, just totally lose it. Because remember, these are unexpected things that happen. So you got to have your stuff with you. You, you got to be fully equipped. In the wintertime, they tell you, uh, you know, put a shovel and all that stuff in your car because you never know when you're going to get stuck out in the snow. How many of you got that stuff in your car right now? You say, oh, the weather's been nice. It hasn't been cold. And, and there's no snow this winter. Okay, keep believing that. <laughs> and so when it does finally snow and you're out at the mall and you're having difficulty getting back home, you're going to wish you had that shovel and scraper and all that kind of stuff in your, in your car. Real faith holds up under stress. Real faith holds up under stress. So real faith will allow me for a, a, close, family man, a close family member or a close friend of mine to die on a Saturday, and you're going to see me in worship on Sunday. Real faith will cause that. Real faith will cause me, I may have gotten fired, laid off, downsized, but I'm going to show up and praise God because I'm still alive. That's what Real faith is going to cause me, even though there's trouble in my home, I am not going to lie about it. I'm not going to hypocrite about it. I'm going to trust that God's going to work it out. And if that means I need to talk to a spiritually-minded brother or sister to give me some insight on how to deal with this, I'm going to let my pride go and get the help that I need so that this thing doesn't get messed up more than what it is. And then the final thought is a person who loves God will win in the end. See, my love for God causes me to want to obey him. I have an attitude that says, when I know I'm out of order, I'm going to get back in order. And I'm I'm not going to wait till Sunday or Wednesday to do that. If I find out on Monday I'm out of order, before Monday's over, I'm trying to get my best to get back in order. See, too many of you wait until we meet on Sunday with all these prayer requests that are a manuscript. And then you're trying to include everything in there that you, some of which you should have been talking to God about yourself. And then you get mad at us when we don't read everything that you own there. First of all, your handwriting is, is poor. 
And then the, some of these things, they, they just, they're just petty. They're petty things that you, if your relationship with God is right, you ought to be talking to him about it. Bring stuff up in here that you want us to help you with. Burdens you can't carry by yourself. But we want to bring everything in here. And then take no responsibility for trying to deal with some of this stuff myself with the fact I can talk to God about it. You talk to everybody else about it. Our faith during trials needs to stay intact. Your faith during your trials needs to stay intact. And a lot of that has to do with where is your relationship with God right now? This day, when you look at your life, when you look at how you have been handling your trials, your tribulations, your tests, whatever you want to call them, how, how, how is it going for you? Are the, strategies you've been are the strategies you have been using working? Have you really resolved the issues that you've had this year? Are they still lingering and you're getting ready to drag them into 2024? So th there's a way to deal with issues, even though they may take a longer period of time to deal with. But you got to stay faithful and you got to trust God and not compromise as you go down this road. Some of us need to recognize your faith struggles are because you're not faithful. And until you get faithful, you're going to keep on having these same issues. And you're going to keep on coming up here making the same weak prayer requests where you have not made up in your mind to change your behavior. And God is saying, I'm just waiting on you. I'm just waiting on you. And since you haven't made up your mind, I guess you're going to have to stay in this storm a little while longer. At the outset, James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. You don't have to like the situation you're in, but you got to trust God while you're in it. None of us like pain. But if you're going to have surgery, part of the healing process is you have to deal with some pain. Now, now, now your surgeon will give you some painkillers. Your challenge is not to get addicted to the painkillers. But they're going to give you something to help you with the pain. God gives us something to help us with the pain. He calls it prayer. Now, some of us need a double dose a prayer. And you need to keep on praying until you start seeing some relief till you start seeing it. You know, there, there, there's some, uh, some health issues when you get an infection and whatnot and they will give you seven days worth of antibiotics or 14 days. Anybody ever had those kind of things? But there's always some joker who, as they start feeling better, they think, oh, I don't need to take this yeah, the prescription says for the full seven days or 14 days so you can totally kill the infection. But well, you know more than a doctor. 
or you know more than God. And so I started feeling better and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then a week later, after you stop taking your meth, you're in worse shape. Let's take God's pain medicine. Let's discipline ourselves to listen to somebody beyond me. I don't think you are as wise as God is. Doesn't matter how many degrees you got, how many certifications you got, you do not know more than God does. Because if you're honest, you're rational with God. How do you expect me to have joy when I'm having problems? You stick close enough with God, He'll show you how to have joy, even in the midst of your trials. He'll show you how to have joy when everybody else is falling apart around you. He he will make a situation where those folk will come to you. How do you get through this? And that becomes our opportunity to testify about God's goodness. And God is the reason I'm saying today. God is the reason I didn't go to some of those substitutes. I followed his pain plan. And I'm better for it.